Let's go. Hey. What is up, everybody? You already know who it is. It is your boy, C Money, coming to you on Web3 TV, where we not only bring you the hottest DeFi news, but we also tell you what to think about it. Yes, folks, it feels great to be back. Needless to say, we have a huge episode today, so we're not going to waste any time and get straight on into Arbitrum. If you would like to read my notes you can go ahead and do that on my Substack. there will be a blog coming out tonight so arbitrum launched in 2018 there was a white paper by a man named harry caldner stephen goldfeather and zhao chen and this was titled arbitrum scalable private smart contract now even though this was the first paper Officially, with the Arbitrum name, in 2014, four years earlier, Stephen Goldfeder, excuse me, a teacher, a longtime teacher at Princeton University, had some students do a project where they basically created a scalable blockchain before Ethereum even existed, or at least the smart contracts on Ethereum. And so to say that Stephen's the tip of the spear is a bit of an understatement. Two years later, on February 11th of 2020, Stephen posted a Medium article titled, Arbitrum Rollup is Live on Testnet. The article was ambitious. This was the first and only fully featured Ethereum virtual machine. Compatible optimistic rollup. So, in the subsection of the article, Stephen describes future demos, partners, the mainnet launch, and Arbitrum sidechain announcements are coming very soon. The launch of the testnet included a full block explorer and token bridge. The block explorer was actually built by the Arbitrum team. Two weeks later, Offchain Labs, who they actually create Arbitrum. So Offchain Labs, I'm just going to get this settled right away. And I know I'm kind of bouncing around, but this is, this is kind of important. And I should have, I, sh I, I really should have pointed this out in the beginning. The company is Offchain Labs. The product is Arbitrum. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. So, two weeks after the first testnet, Offchain Labs announced ArbiSwap. A copy of the Uniswap version 2 would be running on the Arbitrum chain. Another DEX, MCDEX, and a burner wallet was also already on the testnet. Traction really started to pick up when they supercharged usability with a demo, including top projects like Bancor, Bounce, BurgerSwap, Hop, and again, MCDeath. The thing is, reading these guys now, you don't really know who they are, but BurgerSwap was pretty big back in the day. Hop was definitely big, and uh, the, main one was, the main one was Bancor. And uh, Bancor is another decentralized exchange i uh i was actually able to meet the team but I, I don't even know how the swapping mechanisms work i kind of forgot 
I knew them at a certain time, but I don't know. I wasn't really using that ecosystem, so I guess the information didn't stick. So Arbitrum was kind of doing the whole Hex thing. Hex is a scam because what Hex does is they're just minting everything on Ethereum on the Hex blockchain, claiming that they're these revolutionary developers when in reality they're just scammers copying chain. Well, Arbitrum was kind of doing the same thing because they've already had the Uniswap and they had ARBUSD, so they were basically a USDC coin on Arbitrum that was created by FakerDAO. And so you could deposit these coins into a lending pool on Arby, an avalanche fork, to get these to get these USD coins. I mean, it was it was complex. But by March 8th, 2021, Chainlink oracles were live on Arbitrum. And in three weeks, Arbitrum was live. Oh, excuse me. In three weeks after March 8th, so it's about March 30th, Arbitrum released the V4 testnet, and that was the main launch candidate. The mainnet was touted to launch on May 8th, May 28th, of 2021 for developers only. One day before the mainnet launch, Offchain Labs announced Etherscan would be coming over to Arbitrum at the end of July. I mean, that's huge. You know, Etherscan is such a... I mean, everybody knows the, the, the role they play, but for people who aren't really using Etherscan, because I have a lot of normies listen to this podcast, Etherscan is like... It's, it's almost like the, the Google of the blockchain. I mean, it's the only way you can, you can really view what's going on. And so the fact that Ethereum, they were paid by the Arbitrum team to create the Arbitrum scan, but they had the right guys to do it. And th- this is going to be a recurring theme. There is no better block scan company. Etherscan's the top one, folks. So, over 250 teams requested to work on this developer mainnet. Users wouldn't even be able to use the chain for at least a month. On the last day of August, and so, so this was just a month after the final testnet launched. On the last day of August, Arbitrum launched. This was significant because it aligned with the early promises from the team, and that never happens with tech. Tech is always pushed back. It's always delayed. It's never on time. So the fact that it made it was pretty shocking. The sequencer went offline. Just a month and a half after the launch. On September 14th, 2021, this was the first time a very large burst of transactions in a short period of time hit the chain. It was basically a blockchain DDoS attack. A fix was deployed and the sequencer was only down for 45 minutes. The Arbitrum network went down again on January 9th of 2022 with minimum losses. And so, 
this is just going to be a, a good time to bring this up with optimistic rollups and kind of to explain what what the Arbitrum team is doing. Well, rollups are kind of like what they sound. They batch a bunch of transactions together and then they submit them to a larger blockchain, a more decentralized blockchain. That way, your data is not going to be erased or it can't be changed because it has the same security as the head blockchain. The problem is, not even the problem, Arbitrum has a whole nother blockchain where their blocks, their block finality time is a lot quicker. And the validators on Arbitrum are extremely centralized. And so you're sacrificing centralization to get speed and extremely cheap transactions. And then all those transactions, like I said, are beamed up to the Ethereum blockchain. What's interesting about Arbitrum is they don't use their native token for gas. They don't use their native token to pay for actions on the blockchain like you would with Ethereum. But Ethereum's different because obviously that's a layer one. So let's talk about Avalanche. Polygon. I believe Phantom. I haven't used Phantom. So Arbitrum was always different in the in the sense that it actually supported the layer one blockchain that was securing it. None of these other tokens did that and or or teams that were launching these chains did that. And a lot of these other teams were very quick in launching a token. And it seemed like it seemed like they were rushing, trying to catch the bull market, which is exactly what happened. They did. Polygon went to a crazy valuation. The total value locked on there was insane. Some people were saying that it was fake. Not going to get off track here. So in October 2021, just 42 days after the launch of Arbitrum 1, Offchain Labs was back at it again with the next iteration of Arbitrum, Arbitrum Nitro. This was going to be a seamless upgrade to Arbitrum 1 users, and it was going to make the chain 20 to 50 times faster with a large decrease in transaction fees. With over 300 dApps already deployed and over $3 billion of total value locked in the Arbitrum ecosystem, Arbitrum Nitro launched one year later on August 31st, 2022 shortly after any trust chain mainnet opens. A chain with even lower gas fees for gaming purposes, which name was later changed to Arbitrum Nova. On October 12, 2022, Arbitrum acquires Prismatic Labs, the leading Ethereum consensus client team who created the open source software used by validators. On February 7, 2023, Arbitrum Labs announced Stylus, a next-generation programming environment for Arbitrum allowing Rust, C, and C++ programs on Arbitrum. If you think Arbitrum's going anywhere, I can tell you now you're sadly mistaken because it's not. Even if they have to, they will develop ZK proof. I, I just know it because Ed said it. So let's kind of really quick, before I talk about the airdrop and really take us into what we got going on today, because obviously that's important, I want to talk about Ed. Ed is not just your run-of-the-mill guy. He is the chief technological officer of the White House. 
for the Biden administration, and he held the same role for the Obama administration. So, this is the creator of this chain. Clearly has large government ties, strong government ties. I mean, he is, he is the government. Which one might say, hey, that's kind of suspicious because that's the whole problem with Arbitrum. You don't really have privacy and you don't have um, immutable transactions. There's a 24-hour window where Arbitrum can basically revert your transactions. It's not decentralized at all. The whole blockchain idea with Arbitrum kind of goes out the window a little bit. So Ed is very, very connected, working at Princeton. Then you got Steven, who he's at a, a prestigious college in New York. I can't remember the name. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go to his website really quick, right on stream, because it's like, I just feel like, uh, here we go. It popped up really quick. So he was at um, Cornell. That's right. Cornell. And he's been there for quite a while. Young guy. He's written a lot of relatively older textbooks now, but rumors are there might be some more coming from these guys. He's still a teacher at Cornell. I mean, his latest paper, Blockside, Design and Applications of a Blockchain Analysis Platform. I mean, these guys really talk about some cool stuff on here. And for anybody in blockchain, seriously, and they want to a college education, what are these guys talking about? These are the people you kind of would be watching if you were in school. These are the thought leaders of America in the blockchain industry. That's Arbitrum. Okay, so let's talk about how they gave everybody a bunch of money. Because that's, that's what everybody cares about, sadly. Personally, I care more about the governance aspect. So the whole problem with that is, how do you give everybody a meaningful amount, yet make sure everybody gets something? Because, you know, it's, it's kind of like a give and take. And so what happened was, Off-Chain Labs, the Arbitrum Foundation, and Nansen worked together on designing this token distribution model that bases eligibility for the Arbitrum ecosystem community members based on organic participation in the ecosystem. The distribution model relies on the Nansen on-chain data and labels allocating eligibility points to wallets according to their past on-chain activity, with wallet addresses gathering at least three points to gain eligibility for the airdrop. The list of eligible wallets represents 625,143 addresses. That was only about 28% of those using Arbitrum 1 since inception. That's rough. Protocols that have a community-governed treasury that have been pushing the Arbitrum ecosystem forward were also invited to participate in the distribution of a portion of the tokens for their own communities. 12.5% of the total tokens were given to the community. 27% was given to insiders, team advisors, investors. The coins unlock linearly, but for the one year, the tokens are locked. So for the first year, 
when that year is up, they get all those tokens, and the rest of the tokens will unlock on that linearly basis every three months over, or excuse me, every month over three years. 17.53% was donated or given to the DAO ecosystem. 1.13% was given to individual wallets. Then having an extra, an extra 11%. And so that, I think the extra 11% goes to the DAOs on Arbitrum. That was very interesting. Um, a lot of people were not eligible for the airdrop. However, the communities that they were a part of were eligible for the airdrop. And so there's like this interesting dynamic of people trying to figure out how their protocol is going to use the funds. <laughs> and so, you know, some protocols are going to just sell and, and say they're going to build out and just take the money and run home. Other protocols, I think, actually are giving some money back, like cap.io. You use that protocol, you get some Arbitrum. The amount of money is insignificant. So that's Arbitrum. On the other side of the other side of the Ubicon, you have ZK Proofs. And the team that's doing ZK Proofs, the leaders, is ZK Sync. You got Polygon making their, their proofs, the Polygon ZK. Those aren't special. They're not, they're not like ZK era, and Polygon has always just been a copy and, and freaking paste blockchain, and I hate it. They copied what Arbitrum was doing. I'm pretty sure, if I remember this right, they copied what Arbitrum was doing, and then they just launched their token before Arbitrum. I was just like, what? So, I don't know. You got Optimism. Optimism still has some tokens to use. Matic's done. Matic has no more tokens to to be like included into the circulating supply. Some investors think that's good. I think that's bad for the team. Not much runway there. We'll see how this goes. I personally, this is just a, a guess. I think they might make a new coin for Polygon. Just because the tokenomics to me don't seem like a, they don't seem like it's going to work long term. We'll see. We'll see. It depends how centralized the holding is. If the team owns a majority of the tokens, it doesn't matter if the token rises a lot. But I, I digress. CK Sync is the other side of the Rubicon. They said there will be an airdrop coming. I think everybody should use CK Sync. If you would like to do research, it's zksync.io. I think. Sometimes I mess up on that spelling. ZK proofs are different than what Arbitrum is doing because with ZK proofs, it's every transaction is verified computationally, not through a verifier like on Arbitrum. They don't roll all your transactions up and submit them to one chain. Well, actually, I, I, think, they, I think they do do that. I think they still do that. But, but at the end of the day, it doesn't go through a verifier. It goes through a, a cryptographic proof or a, a code. So. That's the big thing with Arbitrum. It, it kind of makes it more decentralized. It makes it quicker. As of now, I haven't seen it be cheaper. In fact, I've seen it be a lot more. A lot of people in the ecosystem are giving rebates out. 
just to use the ecosystem. That's not a good sign long term. Okay. So we've been using up a lot of time. I'd like to talk about Uniswap. Well, okay, really quick. I, I just, I just want to give my final thoughts on Arbitrum before I talk about Uniswap. Common themes of the story, they're using the top guys at the right time, and they're being patient. That's it. You don't have to look at the tokenomics. They have an inflating token supply of 2%. 2%. Now, some people say, oh, an infinitely inflating token supply? That's a bad thing. Personally, I think that there will be so much growth in the ecosystem. Yes, it's always going to be a... It's, it's, it's like gravity. It's always going to be a slow slow push but we'll still we'll still hop on the roller coaster the roller coaster and we're going to go up and down i mean that that supply is going to be priced in pretty quickly i think and so i just really enjoy what they're doing i didn't even talk about the whole initial dow debacle they so if you own arbitrum tokens you can vote in the dow cuz now now since since this airdrop, I didn't even really explain this whole thing. Since this airdrop, this this DAO technically owns the Arbitrum blockchain. And so the people in the DAO can vote on what to do with the Arbitrum chain. If they would like to change any blockchains they work on, if they would like to work on ZKs, if I mean it could be it could be quite a lot what this DAO is doing. And so they have a lot of ownership. However, AIP0 was supposed to be a ceremonial proposal that was just supposed to pass by the community. Well, the community didn't agree with how much money the Security Council was making. I mean, they were making like 12 grand a month each, and there's 20 people on there. They didn't like how much they were spending on a lot of different things. They felt like a lot of the stuff wasn't transparent. And so this was like a huge stirrup, huge stirrup. So where are we at today? Well, the ecosystem just voted to lock up like 700 million Arbitrum tokens. I think that's terrible. Like, I, I don't know why they would do that. It makes everything less liquid, but... It seems to me like the patience of the team, the good guys at the top that like I invested in originally, have uh, they've given up the reins. They're not they're they're huge actors in the ecosystem. They care about the ecosystem. They love the ecosystem, but uh, it's not their ecosystem anymore. And I wonder if that is because they might work on a new solution with the Apris. Heard that here first. So I, I love the Arbitrum ecosystem compared with like total value lock today. It's insane how much Arbitrum has compared to other chains. I mean, the amount of total value locked on Arbitrum doesn't hold a candle. Or uh, the, the amount of total value locked on other chains doesn't hold a candle to Arbitrum. I mean, Arbitrum clearly has by far the most total volume locked. It's the most used chains, the most transactions. Everybody's on Arbitrum. DeFi is happening on Arbitrum. Not any other layer two, not close. 
What's crazy though, if you even look at the chart, people are fine with paying $10 gas fees on Ethereum. I mean, even Ethereum gets a ridiculous amount of usage compared to Arbitrum. At one point though, Arbitrum actually surpassed, Arbitrum usage surpassed Ethereum's usage for a brief time. That day was crazy. So, I love Arbitrum. I think it's very undervalued compared to other chains just based on the fact that they have so much more total value locked. And I feel like these layer twos kind of should be valued upon their total value lock. I don't want to be the person to say what that valuation should be based on their total value lock, but I think it should be kind of equal. I, I don't know if... Yeah, that's just, that's just my idea. I don't know if investors feel like it wasn't going to do well because of the inflation aspect, the 2% inflation. Maybe it was because of the initial way the Arbitrum team handled everything. They gave like 2 billion tokens to Wintermute to market make, which basically means sell. <laughs> it's interesting. It, 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 it's all interesting. Let's talk about Uniswap X. Hayden, the creator of Uniswap, way back in the day, just announced Uniswap X at ETC. ETC is in Paris. Very cool conference. It's the tip of the spear right now. It's where all the cool kids are at in blockchain. And so on Bankless DAO, they talked about how this Uniswap X is going to be a Dutch auction liquidity aggregator. So basically, it's kind of based on time. And so when you first submit a transaction, it will submit at the best possible price, and then it will slowly go down to your slippage point. This is all going to happen incredibly fast. This is basically just putting kind of the reins on MEV and saying, like, you know, you can't, you can't steal all this money from people like they're doing today. I mean, with sandwich trades, with... They, 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 dude, I don't even, I can't even always tell like how Jared from Subway is doing it, but there's this EVM guy and uh, he makes a killing, Jared from Subway. So, this whole thing is going to allow for gas free trades using token, using, I don't know why this is hard for me to say. This is going to allow for gas-free trades using token approvals. And so you're just going to need to pay gas for the initial time that you enable a token to be traded on Uniswap. From there on, you will pay a slight fee in slippage still. However, this Uniswap X combines the slippage fee and the gas fee. There's not going to be any slippage on failed transactions like there is today, which I don't even understand how that, how that happens, but okay. Internalized MEV, basically, that's kind of what that whole Dutch auction liquidity aggregator thing is. It's, it's kind of an MEV in itself. It gets complicated. I can't even lie, and I don't understand it completely. However, this Uniswap X is off-chain. For it to be this Dutch auction liquidity aggregator, this is all off chain. And so, what they realize is if they go off chain, this makes it possible for very efficient cross chain compatibility. They say this is coming in about a year. 
Uniswap is in a position right now to kill it this year. They're the OGs, and they are still bringing the heat. That's rare. I mean, these guys are Michael Jordan of Dexes. And they're still playing. So we got to give these guys some respect where it's due. I love the Uniswap app on the App Store. I think it's so seamless. I think it's perfect. I watch a bunch of other apps. Excuse me, wallets. Watch a bunch of other wallets on that app. And it's, it's, it's seamless. It just looks like a wallet made for crypto people by crypto people. I see all these other wallets out here, and it looks like it's made by toddlers who are in Web 2. They don't even understand what we're doing. They're trying to just like, they're trying to make Web 3, Web 2. And that's not what you need to do. Let's, let's build something better. Let's build something new. That being said, this has been a pretty extensive episode. So I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the end. I have been your host, C Money. You can find me on Twitter at Soggy Margin. Well, that's going to do it from all of us here at Web3TV. Peace.